From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. The Minnesota Legislature has some tough choices to make this year when it comes to borrowing money for public works projects. During the 2020 legislative session, lawmakers are expected to consider a bonding bill that could range in size from just under $1 billion to $2 billion plus. More than $5 billion in requests from state agencies and local governments are in the mix for funding. In a series of upcoming articles, Finance and Commerce is taking a closer look at some of the notable requests. Many of the stories in the series will include an accompanying interview and episode of Beyond the Skyline, offering additional in-depth analysis. Watch for those shows labeled Bonding 2020. The series begins with a focus on the University of Minnesota's $317.3 million wish list for everything from building maintenance to chemistry lab upgrades. University Services is the department behind the scenes that provides the non-academic operations to the University of Minnesota on the Twin Cities campus and, for some services, system-wide. According to their website, they, quote, shovel the snow, serve the food, patrol the streets, heat the buildings, renovate facilities, monitor lab safety, and house our students, end quote. Reporter Brian Johnson sat down with University Services Vice President Mike Bertelson to talk about the use specific needs during this bonding session. Well, I'm pleased to be joined here by Mike Bertelson at the uh, University of Minnesota, beautiful campus here in Minneapolis. Uh, my alma mater way back when, long before podcasts were invented, I'll tell you that. But uh, we're here to talk about the university's capital bonding request for 2020. And uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Glad to. Thank you very much for your interest. Absolutely. Well, it's it's a big campus. And you have a lot of buildings and a lot to take care of. Um, and, and I know just looking at your capital request, uh, at the top of the list is higher education, asset preservation and replacement. And it seems like that's sort of a perennial number one for you when it comes to uh, capital requests, if I'm not mistaken. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the importance of asset preservation and, and why, why that's always a, a big priority for the U. Sure. Um, you're right. The university is um, one of the largest property holders in the state. We have, uh, across the state, we have 30 million square feet. And so it's almost about a third of the state's holdings if you divide by Minnesota, University of Minnesota, Minnesota State, and then the state itself. So when you have that much space, um, it's like the same issues and concerns that anyone has with their own home. It's just magnified by the size and uh, complexity of it. So um, good stewardship of someone's home is to make sure you replace the roof, you're keeping the water out of your basement, um, you're making sure things aren't going to get worse. And you do those kind of investments to keep it current, um, keep it functional, to keep it safe. And um, 
Heeper has been a long-time priority uh, and always a number one priority for the Board of Regents because maintaining the safety and functionality of its um, of the investment that the state has made and fund donors have made and tuition has made is continues to be our top priority. Um, Heeper makes sure though those I mean it's, they're not exciting projects to replace the roof or to make sure the fire sprinklers are working or that the elevators are working, um, that lights are in place, that um, buildings are working, but it's it's essential on a day-to-day -day basis for everything we do. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Does that make it a little bit of a harder sell in some respects? Or do you think mm -hmm. people understand just the importance of keeping up what you have? I think they understand the concept and legislators certainly we appreciate their appropriations on through Heeper and frankly creating a long time ago creating this category of bonding to recognize it's not just about new buildings or major renovations it's about keeping every building in up-to-date and functional and safe so um, we appreciate the legislature created this category because that's what it is um, by in the bonding bill it's uh, they give a large chunk of money for a under this category and then we can um, do many, many projects within that sort of block grant. Um, and so I believe they see the value of it, but when you're when they have to deal with many competing interests, um, um, a shiny new building where you get to cut a ribbon, um, sometimes it's easier to sell and explain to the, to the state in total um, than Heeper. So it, we don't, uh, historically we have not come near um, what we think is the amount of money we need on an annual basis to take care of the institution um, and keep it all up to date. Um, so we, um, it is harder to convince and to maintain that, that size of investment on a recurring basis. Mm -hmm. yeah, and these aren't just any old buildings, right? They're, you're talking about historic structures in many cases. Some are over 100 years old, I'm sure. Um, so there's an added layer of complexity there as well, isn't there? Yeah, the thing, you're right, that um, university is um, one of the oldest, and frankly is that the university existed pre the state of Minnesota. So we've had buildings that um, go back a long way. And um, there's some buildings, components, that you just don't even have those functions. The mines that created the stone, for those have been long shut down, and you could not, even regardless of the amount of money, you couldn't create some of the iconic sort of buildings that we have. And those are assets of the state of Minnesota and I think are part of the state's history and our, our responsibility to maintain. Um, the other side of it is I think just the, you alluded to the complexity of buildings. So my house is a pretty simple, simple electricity and plumbing. When you get into um, biomechanical um, or bio labs and um, uh, chemistry research buildings, um, the amount of fume hoods and mechanical systems and the additional levels of plumbing and power necessary to make those work is uh, much um, more complex. And mm -hmm. we know from just pure judging that we have not just one of the largest and oldest campuses across the country, that our ratio of complexity and um, 
um, that comes with the buildings we have is on the high end for our peers as well. So mm -hmm. that adds multiple challenges um, to make sure we can maintain and take care of our our portfolio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and this year, uh, it looks like you're asking for two hundred million in state funding for uh, on the Heaper side. Yes. And is that statewide then? Yes. All the all the campuses. Yeah. So our capital request from the state is for the entire system, so all of our campuses, the Twin Cities campus, Duluth, Crookston, Morris, uh, and many of the regional outreach centers um, across the state. And so we um, have a, we look at the priorities and needs of all those buildings and build a comprehensive list um, that makes up the projects. Mm -hmm. And how do you sort out the priorities, or priorities uh, within the HEPER mm -hmm. category? Um, we do it, we give each campus uh, we have a formula to allocate funds to each of the campuses based on um, a combination of how much space they have, because largely capital needs are about how much space, and but we also look at what our facility condition needs are. And so we work on, um, we work with outside uh, experts to help assess the physical condition of all of our buildings. Mm -hmm. And we keep, we call it facility condition needs assessment. In that database, we keep current about the, the status of needs and its urgency. Mm -hmm. And so that plays a big role in helping us to identify and set the priorities. Um, and then within that, that set of broad set of needs of things that are worth investing in, we help them prioritize. We look at things like first, um, what human safety issues are so the building code plays a big role in assessing what um, human safety um, mm -hmm. secondly what building safety issues are that is there anything that, and without this investment what's the likelihood the building would get significantly worse soon mm -hmm. um, and then you look into programmatic impacts is there something about the that need which is restricting the, our ability to use that building to its fullest mm -hmm. all those things go into helping prioritize when all the things that are eligible, of those that are eligible, what are priority, of those that are priority, what are critical and would have big impact without investment. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you came up with this 200 million. Right, out of the, because we, we know that we have um, $2.4 billion worth of deferred renewal mm. that of investments that should have been made already. Mm. And in the next 10 years, we anticipate the projection show about another $2.4 billion worth of need over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So we know we should be investing well over $200 million. We should, we should be investing over $200 million every year. Um, mm -hmm. We try to be reasonable in, in how we approach that with the state and have asked them um, for this $200 million HEPR allocation. Mm -hmm. And these projects aren't getting any cheaper, are they? No, the, uh, um, that, that is one that is one constant. It seems in construction that uh, costs don't go down; they only go up. So, and this we believe that this is a good uh, time, both for the state. Um, there's no time like the present to make sure the buildings are cared for, and that this, with the uh, um, historically low interest rate, that this is a good time for the state to um, to go big we think. So mm -hmm. that's our, our request reflects that. Okay. Well, can you talk a little bit about some of the other projects on the list here? Um, 
Sure. The, the child development building replacement is on there, 29.2 million in state funding request. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about the importance of that project a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. That's, um, it's a, really a combination of two buildings today, uh, which exist in the Knoll. Um, it's part of our um, nationally number one rated child development department. And uh, they've existed in that building for a long time. And frankly, um, for programmatically, it is um, just unable to keep up with the kinds of needs on the kind of uh, care that they are doing and the research that they're doing. It is a building that only really has one classroom. Um, So the program um, really relies on using, having to send their students and the research programs across campus to try to find rooms and parts of buildings and labs that can meet their needs. Mm -hmm. Um, So this request would, for the first time maybe in their history, give them a, um, a set of buildings that will be able to programmatically meet the research needs and um, that they are doing. And they're doing really cutting edge issues, things about um, uh, child development, a lot of some really cutting edge issues work on autism. Um, so we, in the building itself is two different buildings. We would renovate one and the other one would be knocked down and a newer addition would be built. So mm-hmm. it's half of it about one, one part of it's about renovation, the part of the building that was worth keeping, and we try to do that whenever it's feasible. Um, the other part of the building is not in near as good of a shape and uh, wasn't built very well. It was built during a construction era when people sort of built things more cheaply, mm-hmm. and it, it really isn't, isn't worth maintain, maintaining or putting more money into. So that part of the building would be torn down and um, replaced. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about $29.2 million in state funding, there's a, there's a match from the U of M, right, mm-hmm. for all these? Yeah, the requests. state, the state stat, um, set a, an expectation for higher ed that the university and Minnesota State should, can, should be re- responsible to pay for one-third of the total project cost for all of the state requests except for HEPR because that is um, – really nearly impossible to fundraise for a roof replacement. So they mm-hmm. understand that, and I, we appreciate that, that that's about an ongoing investment of stewardship. But for all other projects, higher ed, including the university, is expected to come up for and pay for um, a third of that cost. And we can we do that a variety of ways. Sometimes it's through internal debt, debt that we issue. Um, in this case, the college and the university have done a great job um, working with some um, very generous donors um, to come up with lots of, not they're not quite to a, a full one-third yet uh, from fundraising, but um, they have a lot, they have some very generous donors who have seen the value of that work. And um, so that's another option, another way that we come up with a one-third mm-hmm. responsibility. Okay. And so the, the total the total request uh, this year is what, 375 or... 317 million state request, and then mm-hmm. that, that would go towards 375.8 million dollars worth of projects, mm-hmm. including the. Um, so, would you care to highlight any of the other projects? Uh, sure, briefly, um, we can just say that uh, that AB Anderson Hall is a renovation of uh, a very well used building for the humanities in Duluth. It's 
a building that's there's no change in program. You know, they just need a building that works better, that um, has air air conditioning and airflow. You know, some pretty high high need kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the next big one is the chemistry teaching building, um, undergraduate teaching lab for the Twin Cities campus, um, and collectively that's um, just about. Um, almost $100 million, $98.4 million total, uh, 65.6 from the state. Well, the labs that uh, chemistry teaching is one of the core baseline um, courses that lead to all kinds of other degrees that depend upon it. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of the most popular and most taken classes that the university offers. Um, And it's a key to every STEM course that we do. But we are limited as the camp as we've tried to grow STEM to meet the, the business needs of the state. We're limited the number of spaces and chemistry labs that exist in um, Old Smith Hall. So that's part of it, having room for growth. The second is um, we I've actually seen the pictures of the 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 opening day for those chemistry teaching labs uh, from you know in the 20s mm. and then 100 years later um, if you walk into those rooms it's exactly the same <laughs> so you know how we teach chemistry and how you learn it and the technology that exists is changed dramatically mm-hmm. but the the physical support of that space has not changed at all mm. and um, you know students come here f- with better chemistry labs in high school than they are getting in this building mm-hmm. and so there's really no technology in there. It's enormous big rooms. Um, and students, we are learning much more in small groups. They learn much more on their own. They even need to be able to have technology, but you can't have your computer on the chemistry table with that stuff. So then you have to be coming in and out. Um, you can't efficiently or well teach. So the new building will would address all of those issues, um, rooms that make sense from a size that you can teach, all kinds of new technology enhanced spaces and really um, a much really also meeting of course all the safety needs of that uh, that space so with room to expand so the university can produce and um, enable more students to take those courses and all the other all the other stem um, capacity and things that we think the state really demands and needs from the university we want to be able to deliver Mm -hmm. Um, the last is a clinical research facility on our title, it talks about design, but if, um, the truth is it's more than design. It's, um, it's about some land acquisition design and some early construction. Mm-hmm. So um, under Governor Dayton, um, there was a bipartisan effort to do a blue ribbon commission to look at what the university needs to do to advance its standing and, of the medical school. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they identified two things, and this had really come after the state had already made major investments in biodiscovery district, creating a whole series of research labs. And there's kind of that's one part of a great health sciences having great research labs. Mm-hmm. The second is about education. And so the first building that the Blue Ribbon Commission asked for was build a health sciences education center. And that is just a we've really finished the building and are now putting in all the um, simulation labs and the technology uh, so that it'll be fully opened. Um, the grand opening, I think, is later this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, because that building is going to be 
cross-functional, so it's across all the health sciences, colleges, it's nursing, pharmacy, medicine, because that's the way um, modern teaching and modern delivery of healthcare is going to be and needs to be. And so we need to be able to teach our future professionals in a setting that makes sense. And mm-hmm. um, as Dr. Toller uh, says, you know, with much more simulation labs, you want your future healthcare provider to have practiced on someone before they get to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is the next thing. The, the, the next building the, the Blue Ribbon Commission talked about was a clinical research facility. So you have your basic research, you have your education. Now how do you take what's been learned from a, the lab and figure out what the next best practice and treatment plans are? Um, and you want to be associated with where the clinics are. So we've identified a site to, um, to build this right, right next to our new clinical and surgery center mm-hmm. so that a patient, as they come, um, they could easily be part of a clinical trial if they need to be really connected and integrated so that it's really seamless for the patient. And we think that's, and the state had identified that as a priority need. This doesn't build the building, but it establishes, makes sure it establishes the site gets the design already, and even gets us a jump start toward getting ready for the, to hopefully come back to the state in another year or um, the next time we're allowed to come back to the state and ask for the rest of those funds. Oh, a lot of exciting projects here, uh, both in the future and currently under construction. We were just driving by Pillsbury, and mm. it looks like things are moving right along there. and. Um, a lot of exciting things happening here, uh, keeping you busy. It sounds like. Yep, it's a well, it's a big place, and we're um, glad to have the resources from the state and from donors to be able to have something to do. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, there's a lot of we've made a lot of good progress on, um, and it just we continue to have um, new objectives and goals to get to. Yep. Well, thank you for your time, Mike. Any other parting thoughts? Um, call your legislators and tell them how excited you are about this state, and this is a good time for a really large uh, bonding bill. Will do. Well, thanks, uh, thanks again for uh, chatting with us. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.